Welcome to Mashley at the Movies. I'm Matt. I'm Ashley. And we're here to talk about the new Death on the Nile. So this is indeed Death on the Nile, and it's based on the Agatha Christie novel of the same name, which was published in 1937. And this movie is set in 1937, and it stars Gal Gadot as Lynette Ridgway. Um, she's recently married to Simon Doyle, played by Army Hammer, and they're on their honeymoon in Egypt. And they've brought with them an odd assortment of guests um, with them on their honeymoon. Um, business associates, former lovers, relatives. <laughs> there, there's a, it's a strange assortment of people. Um, and they all end up on a ship traveling down the Nile. And also with them is, of course, Hercule Poirot, the famous detective, the greatest detective in the world, played by Kenneth Branagh. And wouldn't you know it, just like it says in the title, there is indeed a death on the Nile, and Hercule Poirot must solve the case. Does he do it? Of course he does. But is it fun to watch? What did you think of it? I thought this was great. Um, death on the Nile is, is one of the more famous of uh, the Agatha Christie works. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. It's one that I've always thought was just kind of all right. Um, that kind of tends to be what I think of most of her more famous ones. Um, I, I like a lot of her um, less big name stories a little bit more. That said, this this version I think uh, I found very captivating. Uh, it is it's directed by Kenneth Branagh, um, shot in sixty five millimeter. We saw this in IMAX, and you know I know we're in an age now where. A lot of people are watching movies at home and streaming, and that's fine. Uh, but I will say that sometimes a movie isn't necessarily done justice at home. And I was a little nervous about going to this one. You were more gung-ho about it than I was, right? <laughs> because um, I was seeing clips of it on TV, and boy, did it look bad. And I mean visually, it looked bad. In, in fact, there's a particular scene... Um, that takes place by the pyramids, the pyramids of Egypt. And it's uh, Kenneth Branagh and uh, what's her name? Annette Benning and uh, Tom Bateman, I think. All three of them are in the scene. <laughs> and, uh, the, and I put in quotes, the pyramids are behind them and uh, a blue sky. And boy, when I saw that clip on TV, did it look like somebody's, you know, early 2000s, <laughs> You know, digital mock-up of I'm just going to insert an Egyptian background behind these three people, and you know it'll be convincing. Uh, when I saw it on the big screen, it looked fine. In fact, um, the beginning of that scene is swooping panorama. I'm sure all digital, uh, uh, fake, but a swooping panorama of the pyramids and the Sphinx, and and then the the score here by Patrick Doyle. Um, is amazing and that adds to the just the grandeur of it um so yeah this movie i think benefits from being seen on the big screen um it's got a big cast you know uh of of people in it gal gadot is actually one of the people i was least impressed with on this although part of it is her character her character honestly i think is supposed to be a little vapid Hmm. um not a not a great person i mean she's very 
you know, there's a scene where she just tosses out some wine or champagne or whatever into the Nile because she's like, you know, we have enough to fill the Nile. So she's supposed to be this kind of arrogant rich person. I mean, look, I mean, and you sort of didn't even get into this in your synopsis, but <laughs> when, when we first meet her, um, she is uh, a friend of, and I, and I can't think of the actress, uh, Emma Mackey, is that the name? Um, anyway, uh, she's, she's a friend of someone who is engaged and they're engaged to, um, uh, Army Hammer's character. And then Gal Gadot comes along and six weeks later has stolen him and they're the ones that get married. And so <laughs> her friend is obviously upset, uh, as he would be. And so, yeah, Gal Gadot's character is, I think, not supposed to be very likable. Uh, Army Hammer's in this. I, you know what? I've never been a big Army Hammer fan. Um, and his character is not terribly likable, I don't think, in this movie. I think Kenneth Branagh is 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 really good as Poirot. I'm really sensitive to this because uh, David Suchet, to me, is the definitive Poirot. But uh, I've enjoyed... Peter Ustinov in the role. Uh, I love John Moffat as the radio version of Praro. Uh And Kenneth Branagh is, is, he brings a nice, quiet humanity to the role here. Um, those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, so, you know, we're big Agatha Christie fans. We've seen a lot of adaptations of her work. And some of them are definitely better than others. And I think this is one of the better ones. Um, it's very much a genre piece. It's also, you know, like I said, it's set in 37, 1937. So it's a mystery and it's historical. So if that's not what you're into, this movie may not be for you. Um, it's not really a modern story in that sense. Um, now, they do do some things with the, um, the story to kind of modernize it a little bit. There are some relationships in the, in the story that are... Um, a little more progressive than what you might find in the book if you were reading this, um, and would be progressive for 1937. Um, but I think that's just all in you know in service of trying to modernize it a little bit for for today's audience. Um, but I like that they kept the central mystery essentially the same. I don't like when they mess around with the with the central mystery very much. Um, but for the most part, I mean, there are some definite changes, but for the most part, um they stayed true to the the mystery. Um, you're right. It looks gorgeous. Um, it does rely on CGI. It's obvious, but it, I don't know. It gives the whole thing this kind of stylized, romanticized um, look and feel. So you do feel like this is a, an adventure. It's an escape to another place and another time. Um, the costumes are great. It, it, the production design, just in general, is 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 pretty good, and I thought the acting was, you know, fine. Um, I I too I liked Kenneth Branagh a lot better this time as Poirot. Um, this is his second time playing Poirot. He played him previously in Murder on the Orient Express, and I don't know. I was a little maybe maybe the first time seeing him, I was a little. Uh, put off because I'm so I so associate the role with David the role with David Suchet and I kind of bristle at anyone else playing the character but he does he, he does play it um 
a little differently. And you're right, there's a little humanity to him. And they give him some more backstory here. <laughs> there's some backstory around his his mustache and a you know a former relationship that he had, and that all I think um, adds to the poignancy of his role and the way that he plays it. And um, yeah, so yeah, I don't really have any big complaints about this movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, the 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 backstory. Folks have jokingly called it the Poirot's mustache origin story. Uh, that I, there's parts of it I like, and parts of it I, I don't think work. Um, I mean, the movie actually starts out in black and white in World War One, and Poirot's fighting, and uh, and he is um, injured. Uh, there's a blast that uh, ends up disfiguring him, and, and so that's why he grows his mustache. And the weird thing is, it's like, you know, so he's trying to hide these scars. I mean, his, his, his face is really messed up when we see it. And so he, he grows the mustache to hide the scars above his lip, you know, and I'm like, can you, can you grow hair on a scar tissue? Is that, is that how, does that work? Uh, so I wasn't sure about that. And then it wasn't just above his lip that was scarred. It was one whole side of his face. But that looks fine in in, in later years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that doesn't that's not terribly consistent. Also, I think Kenneth Branagh is like sixty now, and you know they de-age him for the World War One scenes. Um, but yet I'm thinking, okay, how how old is he reasonably supposed to be in this? You know, early twenties probably the latest. Mm-hmm. So that means in 1937 he's in his mid forties <laughs> or, or early to mid forties. And uh, yeah. he 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 looks okay for sixty. He doesn't look almost twenty years younger though. So that's that that inconsistency. Those inconsistencies kind of threw me. That said, um, it's an interesting little twist they put in there. Unnecessary, I would say, but an interesting twist about why he has this outrageous mustache um, and this background of a, a, a woman that he loved uh, and, and lost. Um, they actually wove that in in a way that I liked. Um, there was a, a, a more recent version, a TV version of uh, Agatha Christie's Marple character, and I, I, right out of the gate, the first episode they did of that, they threw in this backstory of, of a man that she loved back, you know, when she was younger, and they did that so clunkily, mm-hmm. and it did not work. Um, this is handled much better here. Um, Something else I will say in defense of this movie. Uh, There's been complaints I've seen from a lot of people that, boy, does this movie drag. It takes way too long to get to the titular Death in the Nile. And I was looking at my watch. This movie is two hours and seven minutes. Um, I think the murder happens at um, an hour and five minutes in. So it's about halfway through. but I was totally fine that first hour and five minutes. Now, granted, I'm somebody who um, knows the story. I know how it turns out, um, which you might almost say would make me a little bit more bored by it, right? Mm-hmm. But I wasn't. I, I feel like I, I was entertained. It's a lot of it is, you know, the look and the feel of it and these quirky characters and uh, you kind of luxuriate in the, the idiosyncrasies of Praro and the setting. And I, I guess that's the thing here. And here's where, you know, and I might ruffle some feathers with this and that's fine. But I feel like if you're not into this, in other words, if the story 
it's a slog for you. And it takes too long to get to the murder and you're bored to tears by, you know, the first half of it. I don't think you can blame that on this movie. Then I think you just don't like the story. And or you're not into maybe the Agatha Christie style or or even almost British mysteries. Like finally I digress for a second. You and I watch a lot of British television shows and particularly a lot of them mysteries. And some of them are either like, you know, they're two part stories or whatever. A lot of times the murders, if they're a murder mystery, the murders don't even happen until like the end of part one. I mean, this is just how things are set up, right? Yeah. Um, not always, but often. And this and you know, you kind of touched on this earlier, but they really modernized this. It's set in 1937, and people don't blink an eye at interracial relationships, <laughs> uh, out lesbians, um, just you know, multi-ethnic you know uh, characters that you know were not portrayed this way initially, right back when this you know book first came out. So this has all been updated. Um, and, and I, and I, and the, the way that it's directed is, is very like, um, it's very kinetic. It's very, in a good way though, but it's, it's, it's very, there's a lot here that I think that was done to make it appeal to an audience in, in the 21st century. Um, I, I do think it's actually one of the best Christie adaptations I've seen, at least on the big screen. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I agree with, agree with everything you said. That's kind of why I I started off by saying that this is a this is very much a a mystery in the in the golden age sense. It's it's a classic British mystery, and all that that implies, which is perhaps a, you know sometimes the plotting might be a little slower than what we're used to in a modern in a modern mystery. Um, and, and it does take place in 1937, so there's all the trappings of a historical drama. So if this if this isn't your thing, then don't go see this movie, or you know go to this with an open mind and, and be willing to you know um, just go in understanding that the the plot may be a little more deliberate than you're than you're used to. Um, the pacing might be a little more deliberate, so. Yeah, I, if you're, I mean, if you're open to this type of film, I think this is a really, a really good one. Um, it, yeah, it doesn't try to break new ground. Um, <laughs> it's not a fast-paced modern thriller. Um, it's, it's, it's very much kind of a, a relic. But I, I kind of, I love that about it, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you, you, you and I were talking about it, uh, and before you know just kind of offline so to speak and you said you were kind of surprised this wasn't just simply a a you know sunday afternoon tea time <laughs> show on on the bbc that was you know maybe aired between you know christmas and new years or something yeah i'm astonished that it's actually on the big screen and yeah. we got to see it in an imax theater no less yes. mean, where we saw where we saw spider-man you know a few weeks ago it's it's crazy yeah i i can't stress enough and I, I know most people probably are not going to see this in, in IMAX um, or, or on the big screen at all, but I can't stress enough how different I think of an experience this will be if you watch it on your TV. Yeah. This will, it just will, you will, it'll be missing some stuff. And, and there's a thing to that. I mean, there was a movie a few years ago, I think we reviewed it, it's called Annihilation. 
which mm-hmm. is a good movie. Um, and in the U.S., it got a theatrical release. We saw it at the theater. But I think everywhere else in the world, it was put out on Netflix. And I remember reading an article that, from the, the interview the director, and he was, you know, not necessarily overjoyed at that. And he even made a statement. He's like, you know, if I had known that this would primarily have been something that people were going to see on TV, you know, like in, in first run, mm-hmm. he goes, I would have filmed it differently. Mm-hmm. There's just different techniques, different things, you, you know, the equipment that you would use. Um, if your production is going to be mostly something that's on TV, you know, at least according to him. And so, yeah, I mean, I, the, the, we're in an era now where most viewing is done at home, I think, and that's fine. Um, but this is, this is one of those big screen <laughs> films. Um, so we've talked a lot about this. Uh, it's score time. What would you give this out of 10? Uh, I give it an 8 out of 10. So I give it an 8.3. So our score is an 8.2. So it is on the tomato meter. It has a 64% fresh from critics and an 83% from audiences with over 1,000 verified audience ratings, which is good. Yeah. Also, we might as well introduce here to our listeners the banana meter, <laughs> which uh, you and I have just joined. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a selection of critics. Uh, the website's called Right Banana. You can see what they're doing here. Uh, so it's a collection of uh, film critics, and we give our scores uh, that, that go into that. And kind of uh, the cumulative score for Death on the Nile on the banana meter is uh, 55%. Hmm. But our score, 8.2. And that is Death on the Nile. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.